The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at TNTradio.live. The conversation continues with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Hello and welcome to this historic day in London town. We are literally right by the Royal Courts of Justice for the Julian Assange extradition hearing. The turnout is just phenomenal. We've seen speakers, including Len McCluskey, including Jeremy Corbyn. It's just the most fantastic atmosphere. People realise that this is a historic, momentous day at 10.30 a.m. in Court 5. That is when two judges will decide the fate of Julian Assange. It's I'm I'm shaking for him. This is must be an incredibly trying time always round for Julian, his family. And, uh, you know, the support out there is quite phenomenal. But it's really interesting because I went out there as a journalist and I wanted to see what other journalists have shown out today. And of course, there's the entire press pack. But I struggled to find representatives from um, terrestrial TV in the UK. They'll be here, of course, but where they are, I'm not altogether certain. So who is the people who are charged with deciding the fate of Julian Assange today? Well, Dame Victoria Sharp and Justice Jeremy Johnson, they will decide if the WikiLeaks co-founder will be extradited to the US. And let us be clear here, there's no more movement after this. If they decide there is no, there's no right to appeal. The, the Julian Assange's team have exhausted every avenue. The only right and decent thing would be to release the man. He spent nearly 14 years locked up for the crime of being a journalist. And as a journalist, I, I am particularly aggrieved by that. I am so grateful to today's news talk for being here today. This is what journalism is all about. As I say, we've been out in the crowd. We've been picking up little bits and pieces. And uh, this is, uh, you know, I think this is really exciting. Let me tell you a little bit about the judges. It's really interesting because um, the uh, Theresa May, who was the British Home Secretary, it was Theresa May who authorised police to seize Assange from the Ecuadorian embassy in 2019. And it was also Theresa May who appointed Dame Victoria Sharp into her position. Dame Victoria Sharp is a, not just a regular High Court judge, she's a senior judge. She is head of the King's Bench Division, which was formerly the Queen's Bench Division. But obviously now we have a King, so it's the King's Bench decision. Some history. As a barrister, Sharp acted in several high profile cases, for example, representing media corporations. Justice Jeremy Johnson has also been a specially vetted barrister. He's cleared by the UK authorities to access top secret information. And there are some concerns here that the judges overseeing this decision may be just a little bit too establishment. This wouldn't be the first time, of course. There have been previous judges in the Assange case where there have been questions of whether there is, um, you know, undue influence on the case. And with Justice Jeremy, 
Um, he represented the Ministry of Defense. He represented MI6 as a barrister. Now, this, of course, doesn't bode well, does it? Because we're talking about two highly establishment judges who are deep in the thick of the British establishment. And we know that one of the things that Julian Assange did was show up the lies of the secret services. But I am hoping that justice will prevail today. It certainly needs to. It's about time. And whether there's a conflict of interest, that's something that we can, well, hopefully not have to concern ourselves about. The other thing I'd like to point out is Dame Victoria Sharp has interesting family connections. Her twin brother, Richard, was the chair of BBC from 2021 to 2023. And his name may be familiar to you because he was the man who arranged an £800,000 loan for then Prime Minister Boris Johnson. So as you can see, there are lots of establishment interests here, a little bit incestuous, frankly, but hopefully that will not have any bearing whatsoever. You might even be able to hear the crowds out there. The passion is running wild. Absolutely it is. We're going to be shortly bringing in my first guest. So uh, we will be back very shortly. TNT's Misty Winston. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago while ex exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done, and in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like, I don't remember what I did last week, but like, I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible. I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution, and we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. 
at home. All right, we were able to get into your unit, and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know. Because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity. Journalism is not a crime. We're covering Julian Assange's two-day public hearing at the UK High Court and live from London. This is today's News Talk TNT. Absolutely. Listen to the man. Journalism is not a crime. Unfortunately for one man, it absolutely has been. I'm going to be joined now by Gemma Cooper. Hi, Gemma. Hello there, Sonia. Great to see you there outside the High Court, the Royal Courts of Justice, you know, where it's going to all kick off uh, and we're going to hear, I think we're going to hear some evidence or some some testimony, I think, from Amnesty International. I do know that the human rights organisation are there and it's just so wonderful that you've illustrated the size of the crowd there uh, because until really a, an hour or so ago, I'd been searching and scouring and looking across the mainstream, across the globe, to see the build-up to this case. And I was thinking, where are the stories? Where is the coverage? But but actually, within the last hour or so, there has been a bit, bit more of a kind of uh, realization. I think that this story deserves traction. It's interesting, though, that some of the mainstream media outlets, particularly in the UK, have chosen to focus on aspects of Julian Assange's character and say, "Well, you know, I don't like the man, but he shouldn't be in prison." Well, whether you like somebody or not is completely irrelevant. Have you ever met Julian Assange? Uh, you know, they say he's a difficult character. It's well known that he's got, I think, it's Asperger's or ADHD, um, and they they, they want to focus on his kind of less convivial aspects. That's got absolutely nothing to do with the hearing. It's got nothing to do with the facts of this case, which is what he did, tell the truth, release war crimes into the public domain, uh, and has been treated like a summary criminal ever since. But at least there is now some traction, some coverage from mainly outlets that didn't really want to have to look at this, the real truth of the matter, which is government oppression and censorship when, when things are revealed about governments, especially Western governments, that they don't like. Today is history in the making and TNT are history in the making. You're outside the, the High Court, the Royal Courts of Justice, and I'm very, very interested to hear what your guests, Sonia, have got to say. 
Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Gemma. Really, really appreciate it. And as you highlight, of course, they're, they're going in on his character. It's all about demonization, isn't it? They don't even know the man. They need to be looking at the facts rather than what they've been making up for the last decade plus. Thank you so much, Gemma. Speak to you, speak to you tomorrow. Take excellent care of yourself. Right. We are back here and I am back with my first guest, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Sure, Absolutely sure. brilliant. Brilliant to have you. As you can tell, Matt is a full-on Assange supporter. Matt, what? why? Why? Well, this case to me is the most consequential case for all of our freedoms in the world today, bar none, because it makes telling the truth about government crimes a crime. Uh, and he could be sent away for life in solitary confinement, which is torture, just for telling the truth, things that we, the public, have an absolute right to know about what our governments are doing. And without that, we cannot fight for any of our rights. And so this is the master key to all our freedoms. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And let's make sure that everybody can see this. Of course, it's free Assange, free us all. And that's really the key, isn't it? This is, yep. this is way beyond just one person. This is absolutely. about coming down on all of us and punishing us. Correct. You know, what did he do? He exposed war crimes. Yep. He exposed criminals. That's right. And he's been criminalized, but without yep. any trial. And uh, it's an outrageous state of affairs, really, isn't it? It's the most outrageous. And it's somehow how this has flown under the radar. Of course, it's been quite carefully orchestrated. So it's been difficult for media to get uh, access. I mean, even Fox News was denied access, you know, less than whatever you think of Fox News. It's a major news organization. Um, and previous the substantive hearings had the same problems. Reports without borders, Amnesty International were not allowed to monitor the trial. Uh, so, and, and as you pointed out before, they've smeared his character, tried to attack Julian's character. Um, it's not about Julian, as you say, it's about all of our rights to know. And if they can get away with jailing someone for revealing their crimes, what, what else can they get away with? And after that, the gloves are off, you know, we're in deep, deep trouble. So this is the one that we have to win, folks. Like, if you want to stand up for freedom and justice, we must fight to free Julian Assange. We absolutely must. And I love the fact that this is, is this a Guantanamo Bay jumpsuit that we're wearing? Correct. Because, you know, the irony is uh, the tragic irony. Julian's being threatened with being put in a place, a supermax prison with similar conditions to Guantanamo, solitary confinement, for revealing that type of torture. So, and, and I wear this for also because I don't feel free. You know, as you pointed out, it's not just Julian that's, that's not free with this prosecution. It's us, you know, because... Without the right to know, we're not free. Uh, we're not safe. I don't. I don't want to leave a, a world to my to my son that uh, that telling the truth is a crime about powerful states. You know, that's just too dangerous. So we have to. I know America is an ally of Australia, and it's it's up to us, the United Kingdom, to actually ask our dear friends, the United States, to come back over the line, back to the principles of freedom of speech, First Amendment, which uh, the values that we share. And the, and the reason that we are their allies. And uh, once you cross that rubric, uh, you know, things tend to go very badly. Um, you look at any regime in history, isn't right. it? it's the minute they jail a journalist. They cross that line, that's when things get really dark. So uh, right. we've got to call them back over the line. Yeah. And, uh, it's really important. It's a fantastic turnout out there, isn't it? Isn't that atmosphere just wild? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I love moments like this because this yeah. is when you start to see the best of people, people exactly. out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually got incredibly emotional walking amongst the crowd. 
wonderful yes you know that's right and i just yeah. cannot imagine what it must be like for stella and the the boys and julian yeah. this must be so anxiety inducing because uh, obviously it's impossible for us to know what is going to happen there yeah. but i outlined in the introduction to the show today about the very serious establishment ties of the judges who are overseeing this case and that has That's to right. be of concern to a certain degree any thoughts yes. on that absolutely yes i've seen those great reportings by declassified uk great independent journalists you know so follow tnt follow declassified uk they're doing great work good journalists are out there we've got to defend them um and that's taking over in a way which is wonderful but yeah, if you look at the records, it doesn't look uh, wonderful. And all of the judges so far have had serious conflicts of interest. Um, and so my only hope is that uh, with the fact that Australian government recently, you know, last week uh, voted right. to, uh, to demand the freedom of Julian from the US and UK, that uh, that's given pause for serious uh, uh, thought there by uh, the US, because Australia is a key ally of, of uh, the United States uh they have a 27 odd military bases and uh and 90 percent of the public polled once thinks julian should be free and the parliament has now voted on that very serious mandate to ask him to be freed you know no ifs or buts so uh if the us will not listen to an ally as as important as australia on that i mean that would be very foolish right so uh yeah let's let's hope i mean i think australia's got to be the one to to really push the issue now but any democratic state that's worth their weight uh, should be calling on the United States to to drop this now, and for the United Kingdom to to release him home to his family, as you mentioned. His family, Absolutely, please, please like let him. that happen. Sure. You know, the thing is, is that obviously I've been following this a long time, and I have to say, I feel a sea change. Mm. I definitely do. It's that's like right. the world is finally speaking up for this man and his family. It's taken a very long time. Yeah, and uh, obviously we, right. we were at the premiere. You were at the premiere on Sunday. Very, very powerful film. I'll be talking yeah, to Kim shortly. But I cried. I cried yeah. so many times throughout yeah. because it's so it was so profound. Yeah. And and actually, there were there, even as a journalist, there were moments in it when I just thought I didn't realize this, yeah. you know. And so, like, just as a sh on a human level, do you feel that the world is waking up to this injustice? Because there hasn't been enough outrage, has there? Oh, I know it's been as a campaigner for four and a half years. Um, it's been incredibly frustrating to deal with that sense that uh, there aren't enough people aware of this in horrific injustice. That's partly why I decided to wear the suit. Good so for you. Every day. Very visual. I wash it. I've got three of them. But um, I just love it because five or ten times a day, someone will come up to me and say, why are you wearing that? And I, I get to tell them about it. And, it, you know, that's the way we do it. Spread the word. You may, you may be sitting out there thinking, oh, what can I do? Well, you could do a lot of things. You can wear a crazy suit like this already. You don't have to. But just start conversations, post things on social media, email your MP. And you mentioned the film. I think that's a powerful way that we can open hearts and minds to this. It's blowing up in cinemas in Australia. They've had some, uh, you know, small local screenings and now the big chains are taking it on. I mean, you just watch that film and you've got it. You've you know, got you it. don't need to That's know it. anymore. It's just, it spells it out. It's very clear. And uh, nobody wants this to happen. Nobody wants a truth teller in jail for revealing our government's crimes. So get your local cinema um, to screen the trust for and, uh, Let's open the hearts and minds and let's free Julian. Shed a light on this inju horrific injustice. Hallelujah to that. Thank you awesome. so much, Matt. Matt and Brennan, so isn't it? Brennan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Give me. That's all right. Then, man, the show up. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for talking to us today on today's News Talk. And we Thank will be so back much. very shortly. Thank you too. Big news, 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 news.
story which contains more than first meets the ear. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Russia has accused Ukraine of using American-made chemical weapons against its soldiers on the battlefield and says it has the evidence to prove it. Australia's overhauling its navy, announcing the largest expansion to its warships since the Second World War. And the European Union has announced it's sending a fleet of its own warships to the Red Sea in an effort to protect cargo vessels from further attacks launched by the Houthis in Yemen. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Yes, we do indeed cover the biggest news topics of our time. And I am absolutely thrilled to be here with Kim State. And Kim is not only the director and writer, but also the producer, along with his fabulous partner of The Trust for Julian Assange. And I think I loved the film. I absolutely loved the film. And I'm one of those people where I just say how I feel, right? So you can be absolutely assured that I genuinely loved it. I thought it was really profound. It was beautifully put together. And as a documentary filmmaker, I think the work that went into it was absolutely phenomenal. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Tell us about the response so far. Well, um, it's been amazing. Um, it released in Australian cinemas on 28th of December in a little town called Mariba, west of Cairns. And uh, from that very first theatrical screening that was booked in by that cinema, uh, the turnouts have been uh, terrific. Um, and it just, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't have the advertising budget that you have with a big blockbuster like a, a James Bond or a Spider-Woman or whatever um, with this film. You know, we just we just offered it out to those cinemas and we didn't know what would happen. And as of now, we basically have 100 cinemas running it uh, across wow. Australia and New Zealand. And it's building every day. It's, it's actually accelerating and ramping up. Uh, and then we're about to release in the UK 15th of March. This is absolutely wonderful. Look, if you don't if you're not really familiar with the details of the case, I highly recommend it because it tackles every area that you need to. And I think some of like when you go to Baghdad and obviously you in, in, interview the young boy who had witnessed his uncle being murdered and then to find out that the young boy is no longer alive. He was born the same year as my daughter. I cried at that. I cried at all. There's so much to cry about. And also the demonization of Julian. You know, you, you tackled the issue that many people just know him from what the press have said about him, which is not great. Expand on that for us. Yeah, it's something that I had to grapple with. Um, when, when I started exploring the issue about five years ago, I mean, I, I saw the collateral murder video back in 2010, but uh, it took about five years before I started really um, investigating and learning and watching other people's films. And there's all of this smear and uh, around Julian. I mean, they've, they've actually done this very well orchestrated malicious smear campaign upon him uh, to paint him as various things, as a, a, a traitor and... Um, as a rebel and, and, and even worse things, which we cover in the film. And, I, you know, they need some time to explain. So I don't want to get into those things in the short time. But, um, you know, there, I had a sense that there, there is these polar opposites. There's these different narratives around him. Um, and as Stephen Donziger says in, in the trailer, he says that the US narrative on Assange is a complete fraud. It's a complete fraud from A to Z. Um, no one could say it better than that. Um, and then Nils Melzer in the film explains that the same thing when they first 
asked him to look into the case as a special rapporteur on torture and uh, other inhumane treatment. Uh, he he felt like he he knew everything about him. He already had an impression, even though he'd really not done any research of his own. Right. So there've been uh, the, the U.S. has been very effective in smearing him as painting him as a villain, uh, and it's the, the the opposite is true. Like many things in the world, absolutely. And obviously, the title of the documentary, the film, however you want to describe it, the title is actually taken from what he already knew when he was doing this work as a journalist, he knew that they would pursue him to the ends of the earth. Explain to us the title. Yeah, well, you know, in the production process and writing the script and all that, I was I was trying to work out when we get to the end stages, like, what is the take-home message? Like, what is, you know, I have an opportunity as the director of the film to sort of present some sort of answer or, or or sort of a message of an overall message. And it could have been, you know, the Australian government is responsible or the US government is responsible. Um, and I thought about that for, for, for weeks and weeks. And, and, and then finally, I kind of realized, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to us to save him. Um, as Matt was saying, you know, it's awareness. We have to uh, spread awareness. And, and, and then I realized, um, you know, and that was a combination of this sense that I, I had after a couple of years of production. I just, I became aware that Julian did know the consequences. He knew what he was up for and what would probably happen to him because he studied other examples of other whistleblowers. He knew what would probably happen and he did it anyway. And that just struck me as such an incredibly brave courageous things, self-sacrifice to put out information, even though they're going to come after you. Uh, it's, it takes incredible bravery and commitment, uh, commitment to humanity and to the truth and, and to free speech and, and democracy. And so when I sort of put those ideas together, then I thought, well, okay, he is making this incredible, taking this incredible risk and this personal sacrifice. He knew the consequences. And that trajectory of his 13-year experience of being persecuted by the U.S. is a bit like falling, a slow-motion fall down a, into the pit of nothingness. I mean, because it's, it's, I mean, it's been, you know, they've treated him so badly, so his, his life has got really more and more grim. Um, and that's where I got this sort of concept of what the trust for which it just comes from this uh, personal development thing that they do where you fall backwards into a right. group. And, and, and you hope you're going to be caught yeah. by the right people. But he yeah. wasn't caught, was he? That's the thing. He's been not so hugely betrayed. We not haven't, by people we like haven't us. caught him yet. Yeah, no. that's the thing. And that's that was the message that I wanted to really hone in on is that we as the majority, as the people, the decent people of the world, have to save him. We have to our arms out and gather together and catch him yes 100 percent from an awful fate i think one of the moments in the film that really impacted me and lots of other people was the way that you show how his world narrows over a period of time and he goes from moving around in the world to being you know stuck in the ecuadorian embassy to suddenly being in this cell in belmarsh maximum security prison he's amongst murderers he's amongst some of the most violent criminals that we have, it's, it's astonishing, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. It's it, over that 13 year period, he has been kept in progressively colder, darker, more confined spaces. That's literally what they've done on a physical level, uh, going from house arrest through to the embassy, where he's just in a few rooms for seven years, almost seven years, and then into Belmarsh, where he's been almost for five years in a in a six meter square cell, 22 hours a day. So they've literally uh, shrunk his world into a smaller space, little by little. And if he's extradited, sadly, to the US, it will take another step. And and why are they doing that? Because they want to kill him. We have to face that. Right. People need to accept that. Let me tell you something funny that just comes to mind is that we're here in London and 400 years ago, there was a journalist, a printer called William Anderton, and uh, he was printing pamphlets and distributing them, and, and it was calling for the return of the ousted king. So he was quite a rebel, quite a political rebel. And when the government found out that he was putting out these pamphlets here in London, they uh, took him into custody and took him out into the town square and hung and quartered him and dragged him down the road. Um, and 400, and, and, and he was tried in the Old Bailey, which is the exact same prison uh, courthouse, sorry, where Julian Assange was tried. Wow. And they used the same tactics. Wow. They used lies. They manipulated the jury. Wow. Um, it was all corrupt. And 400 years later, the exact same thing happened with Assange. The only difference is that in this day and age, it's not acceptable to execute someone out in the town square. Right. We've made that small step of... Uh, the process is the punishment. A, yeah, but uh, what they've got is this sinister, clever, secretive way of killing someone, which is to keep them in smaller spaces. Right, it's the deterioration I, of him, isn't it? Slow motion murder. Really awful. And awful if we don't wake stuff. up to that, if, if London people and uh, everyone in the world doesn't take the time to look into this, uh, if we don't know, we're not going to fix it. Right. Uh, if enough people don't know. So it's really, you know, everyone's got busy lives and, you know, the system keeps us working 40 hours and we get home and we're tired right. and we just want to watch Netflix and switch off. Um, but I really urge people to, um, you know, come along to see the trust for when it's released in cinemas. Uh, come along and just take that two hours. And if you don't know much about or anything about it, or if you have, possibly the wrong idea about what all this means, um, then the film could help you to um, get the real story and, and find out the truth. Uh, absolutely. I think you've done an absolutely stunning job. And obviously none of us know what is going to be the outcome of these next two days. Are you hopeful? Well, I, you know, looking at the, the, the conduct of the UK government, the UK judiciary throughout this three, four years of this extradition trial. They've ignored evidence. Um, they've kept Julian in a glass dock at the back of the court. They've made it hard for him to even be present. Um, there's, there's just all these travesties of justice. And I, um, you know, I'm a bit of a realist. I, I, I really feel that one day Julian will be free. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in these next two days. And um, I, I, yeah, fingers crossed that they do accept the appeal and he's kept here uh, in London for, uh, you know, in the UK and Belmarsh for another six months while they do another appeal because that would give us time to raise the awareness, right. prevent him right. from going to the US. So that, I'm hopeful of that. 
Um, but at the same time, I, I really wouldn't be surprised because these people are very cold um, and they're determined to scapegoat him right. um, to ward off other future would-be whistleblowers. And that is the, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It sends out a message, don't you dare step out of line. And that was so profoundly echoed in your film. So, you know, all we can do really is hope for the best. Absolutely hope for the best. I want to thank you so much for your work, tremendous work, really. And thank you so much for joining us today. This is today's News Talk, and we are live Across the road from the Royal Courts of Justice, this is Kim Staten. He's made an incredible film. Make sure you catch it. Be back shortly. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. One of the more amazing things I've seen recently took place last week at a Senate hearing looking into social media and the negative effects it has on our children. Here's Senator Josh Howley confronting Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. 37% of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all Who these did you fire? Tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? Uh, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is... fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I action. It's appropriate to talk about... It, it, like it's not appropriate. Decisions Do you know who's sitting like behind you? Holly then pointed out to Zuckerberg that in attendance were parents of children who have been harmed or, as he put it, are now gone. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I, I, I'm sorry for everything that you Zuckerberg getting up and apologizing, of course, too little, too late. But what we saw was virtually unprecedented. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. We're covering Julian Assange's two-day public hearing at the UK High Court and live from London. This is today's News Talk TNT. And we are back. I was, of course, just talking to Kim Staten, the writer and director of The Trust Four. And I absolutely implore you to see that movie. It was filmed over two years um, on three continents in 10 cities. Film features many great people, including the great departed journalist, John Pilger. And, you know, as I said with Kim, the film touched me 
on a human level. This man unquestionably did a service for us all. He revealed American war crimes. And let's not forget who is the FBI's number one star witness, a convicted paedophile. Absolutely. Sigurda Thorderson. And there's loads of posters over there outside the high court. Everybody knows he's completely discredited. I mean, he's, he's a, a multiple convict, a convicted paedophile. He's been locked up. But yes, somehow he is the FBI star witness. It's absolutely outrageous. We need justice over these next two days. Whether we're going to see it or not is a whole other story, of course. Stella said on Sunday um, at the Q&A after the film premiere that this is an uphill battle to win this round, not because of the merits of our arguments, but because of the political nature of this case. And that is the reality, is that sadly, it is not about facts on paper. This is not about really judges deciding on facts in some respects. Some people think this is a foregone conclusion because it is so horrendously political. And as I outlined at the start of this, there are concerns about the judges involved because they are unquestionably highly connected to the British establishment in terms of having represented MI5, represented uh, the Ministry of Defence, um, Dame Elizabeth Sharp being highly connected not only to the British establishment, but to the media establishment, such as the BBC, her twin brother, of course, being Richard Sharp, who had loaned that £800,000 to Boris Johnson. And then, of course, then we have the figure of Theresa May, former Home Secretary, and it's been one successive Home Secretary after another that has decided the fate of Julian Assange. So... Hopefully, we are going to see some justice. That is what we are all praying on here. And uh, one of the things, one of the quotes that was used in the film regarding Julian was he'd said that the one way to highlight um, to highlight justice is to show injustice. And that really is a very key issue here. And as a journalist, I have absolute respect for him because I know what it takes to speak out. It's so easy for the vast majority of journalists who work for legacy media, they get their press releases from the government and they pretty much repeat it verbatim. That isn't what journalists like Julian Assange does or indeed what I do. And let us not forget that the whistleblower, Chelsea Manning, formerly Bradley Manning, you know, he was the one who leaked the information, not saying for a second that I want him to have even more of a punishing time inside than he already had because they did horrendous things to him. Um, they locked him in a cage, an animal cage on uh, air, airport turf. So horrendous stuff has taken place in the name of justice. But let us be clear here. What this is really about, what this is really about is a man who embarrassed America and he is being punished for it, for daring to show the war crimes. And they were all war crimes, unquestionably. And for daring to do that, he has been punished. Nearly 14 years, 14 years of his life for being a journalist. Imagine that, convicted while being a journalist. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be joined by anybody else at this moment in time, because you know what it's like. We are live and anything can happen at any moment in time. And uh, hopefully I am going to be joined very shortly by Lembit Opik. Lembit! As if by magic, here it, I am. Magic indeed. Lembit <laughs> Opik, obviously fellow host on TNT with myself. Wonderful. We're here we showing out proud and strong for today's news talk. Lembit, 
atmosphere. Tremendous. Let me describe it for you. Please. I would say there are maybe 2,000 people there, and they're from all walks of life. It's not just the radical left or some extremist faction. They're extremists when it comes to free speech, and I've been talking to a lot of the people there, and they're just really angry. I could summarize it like this. These people think that if Julian Assange does get extradited, then we're extraditing free speech. Right. That's the simplest way of putting it. Speaker after speaker says the same thing. Assange's crime is to report embarrassing facts about the state. Now, if that's good enough reason to be extradited, potentially to his death, then we might as well just kiss goodbye to any pretense that we are a free society. I think you have a unique insight. You're obviously a former member of parliament. You understand a great deal of how these things work. This is a political scenario we're, we're dealing with here, isn't it? Absolutely. The courts really have only one just outcome, and that's to let him walk free tomorrow. If they don't do that, what we're basically saying is there's no separation between the state and the judiciary. We pretend that there is, but it's really that which is on trial, not Julian Assange. And there's a palpable feeling amongst the public there, and understandably, they've self-selected themselves on Julian Assange's side, but there's a feeling now that this is exposing a very ugly aspect of the establishment because he shouldn't be on trial at all. No, absolutely, absolutely he shouldn't. Look, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us live. We, we are going to be re reporting live from here all day with Lembit, with Abby Roberts, with David Curtin. It's so vital that we are here. I think today has really reminded me the importance of a free independent media such as today's news talk. What about you? Because you see out there the, all the banks of cameras and we all know what they're going to do, right? They're going to get their shot and then they're going to go and it won't make a jot of difference to them, will it? Uh, yes, you're right. When you say that uh, we've got a free media, that's us. It really. is us. It's us. And a very small number of fellow travellers but the MSM, mainstream media, as we call them, and I think of that as a term of abuse these days, really, they're here to report a rabble who are supporting this weirdo called Gino Assange. It's so dangerous that he's locked away in Belmarsh for publishing compromising information about the state. I was actually in the uh, WikiLeaks myself for saying something about the completely useless leader Nick Clegg of my old party. Right. I'm not embarrassed about what was reported because it was all true. Right. And and that's the thing. People have said, even journalists, that WikiLeaks got it 100% right almost every time without fail. We are going to leave this broadcast right here, but do not go away. As I say, this is today's News Talk live from the High Court. Thank you for being with us. We'll be right back.